Hello, welcome to the Dear Writer podcast. I'm Sarah. And I'm Ashley. We're two aspiring collaborative authors sharing our writing journey with you. The ups, the downs, and everything in between. Whether you're just starting out or a more experienced writer, we hope that you'll find this podcast inspiring and thought-provoking. And here's the show. Welcome back to Dear Writer, everyone. Today we are recording episode 110, which is another one of our author spotlight episodes. Today we have a very special author spotlight episode where we are talking about the Auckland Domain Anthology with Sue Glamuzina and Kynan Wright. So welcome on to the show. Welcome Kynan. Welcome Sue. So we've mentioned the Auckland Domain Anthology in the past on this podcast as both Sarah and I submitted work to it. And today we thought we would have a special episode devoted to this anthology and we have Sue and Kynan, as we mentioned, who are the organisers of the project. So a little intro to Sue. She is an Auckland-based poet who feels at home with the sand beneath her toes and the earth under her fingernails. She also loves to write short stories and has a number of YA and romance novels in progress. And a little intro to Kynan. He's also an Auckland-based writer and he recently finished his engineering degree. And now that he's not writing assignments anymore, uh, he's hoping to spend a lot more time writing stories. He currently focuses mainly on short fiction, but his eventual goal is to complete a fantasy novel. So nice to have you two on the show. Thanks for having us. You're very welcome. So we usually have a little bit of a different setup for our questions, but because we're focused on the anthology, I have mainly focused our questions towards how it was constructed and what the process was for that. Um, So our first question I was wondering how you guys came up with the idea of starting an anthology. Um, Did you want to start, Sue? Sure. So the Auckland writers have been meeting both online and in person for a couple of years. And probably every second session, we have a prompt. And personally, I've got really excited seeing where people's stories have gone from the prompt, just the different paths that people have gone down so that's always sort of been in the back of my mind and in Auckland we had a large lockdown last year and we had something called a picnic stage where people were allowed to go to picnics they weren't allowed to see anyone but they were allowed to go to picnics and I was at the Auckland domain during one of these sessions and I saw lots of different people having different connections at picnics and walking and things like that and I just was thinking the two paths sort of crossed in my mind where lots of people at the domain doing different things and then lots of writers writing different things and I wondered what would happen if people wrote different stories about the domain so I spoke to my dear friend Ashley about it and she encouraged me to speak to other people about it and the wheels started rolling and so how did you get on board with it Kynan did Sue approach you as one of the other people (laughs) that she's (laughs) talked to Sort of. I mean, I, I'd had an idea for a slightly different style of anthology uh, prior to that, where I was imagining running monthly writing competitions through our group, and then if people won, they'd get a spot in the anthology. So it was quite competition-based. And uh, Sue and I had spoken about that before, but then she had a bit more of a kind of organic, collaborative idea that was just bringing together stories from lots of different people, and that 
seemed to capture our imaginations a little bit more <laughs> in terms of what we wanted to spend our time volunteering and working on. That's really cool. Kind, do you want to give a little bit more information about the Auckland Writers Group, potentially, given we've briefly oh, yeah. just mentioned it and I realised we haven't really explained <laughs> <laughs> what this group is? <laughs> I did realise I hadn't mentioned that when I started talking. So it was a Facebook group that I took over a couple years ago. I think I must have, I joined it ages ago and, and I got some sort of banner message uh, saying that this group is completely inactive and it is about to be disbanded it has no admins would you be interested in trying to organize or run it so I, I took it over a few years ago and it was a Facebook group with I think under 200 members and pretty much no one talking to each other so I had to go at trying to trying to build it um, and now I think it's got over 700 members and we've had a lot of in-person meetings and online meetings through COVID and I've got to meet a lot of cool writers through it so it was really just a me wanting to have some people to talk to about writing, but now it's kind of grown a few more legs than I'd anticipated and things like this have, <laughs> have happened through the connections we've made through the group. Yeah. No, that's really great that you took something that was like totally inactive and then kind of gave it new life and gave all these writers like a reminder about sort of sharing their work and gave them a bit more of a home. <laughs> that's really awesome. I still don't know who made it in, in the start, so it feels weird. I, I didn't. I can't say I founded it. I just like more like I found it abandoned on the side of the road and like gave it CPR. <laughs> it's a good description. That's hilarious. So we obviously decided on the theme as the Auckland domain for the anthology. So then, how did you guys go about promoting the idea and gathering stories and authors to contribute uh, to the anthology? Well, I set up a Facebook page called Auckland Writers Anthology. And I also set up an Instagram under the same tag. So, and from those, I just shared them. I shared them on my personal page. I personally write romance. So I shared them on the Romance Writers page of New Zealand on the New Zealand Society of Authors. Catherine Burnett, who's a wonderful writer, she shared it on her page. The Inside Out poetry page, they shared it. So just I reached out to anybody, any of the writing organisations that I had been in touch with and shared it out there. Plus we put it on our page. Yeah, we. I think we started with the core group were people who had already been having meetings with Auckland writers and we got a bunch of them on board and then once we had that group sorted and we tried to migrate a bit more of the engagement over to Sue's anthology page so that we weren't spamming everybody <laughs> with anthology messages <laughs> if they didn't actually want to be part of it. Yeah I was gonna ask so where do you feel you got like the most traction with do you think all of your lines of promotion of the anthology worked the same or was there sort of one avenue that worked best just in case other people are thinking of trying to do something similar no some of the people I'm not even sure where they came from <laughs> <laughs> and I think there were some people that were just Instagram people I had to share all of the main information on that. And then we also had some email people that don't have social media. So I've had to make sure that they've had the information as well. So every time there was information to share, it seemed there wasn't the crossover between the emailers, Instas and the Facebooks. They all seemed to be quite separate. So, but yeah, I think probably 
maybe a third were people that we knew from the Auckland Riders group that had somehow been connected. But yeah, the others, they stumbled upon us and joined in and we're glad that they did. So I think it's great that a lot of authors outside of the core, I guess, Auckland Writers Group were able to contribute as well because that was something we were a little worried about that we'd get enough submissions, right? Yes. Yeah, I find it really interesting, yeah, the way that you managed to garner like enough stories and things. And I think for anyone considering an anthology, that's always a question. So I think that's a really key thing is just reaching out to all those sort of writing groups in your community, reaching out to different organizations and just making people aware that, hey, I'm doing this. Would any of your writers be interested in submitting to it? And, you know, like then you you do eventually get those different stories coming in because I guess that would also, so, you know, like you were looking for like quite a wide group of people so that you could have like different stories about the domain and I think that probably helped to get that variety by having like people from different avenues and include their stories I think it like garners like a bit more of different personalities I did make my family all write one so my children (laughs) wrote wrote a story in the rounds and my youngest is only 11 so um, I made him write one and we were also quite short on flash because we had poetry flash and short stories and um, we were quite yeah we needed more flash and some of the people that had sent in short stories or poems I messaged them personally and said would you have a go at writing a flash and we did have prizes for the best in each category and the person who won the flash competition hadn't ever written a flash she wrote it just because I had asked her to so that was quite cool I didn't know that (laughs) really she's got hidden talents that she didn't know about maybe (laughs) She was really stoked. And she didn't know she'd won that prize until she turned up at the book launch. So that was a really neat thing to get to surprise her with. Oh, that's that lovely. Cool. Yeah. That's really cool. And saying so your um, son's story, little flash fiction, was really cool as well. I think it's what the third story in the book? Third? Second, third? It's very appropriate. It's really good. Clouds the Boy Racer. Yeah. <laughs> Clouds the Boy Racer. So. Part of the interesting thing about an anthology is editing the work because that, you know, you have all these different writers and you want to stay true to their writing, but yet also edit it so that it is a polished professional piece of work. And I know, Ashley, you did a little bit of that. So do you want to take this one and explain a little bit about how the anthology was edited? Sure. So we had a central committee uh, who were sort of the team behind putting the anthology together and all of us did a first pass at all of the works that went through Um, and we basically commented on all of the pieces about, you know, spots we thought could use improvement, fixing spelling, grammar, all of that kind of stuff and, you know, offering constructive feedback to each writer. After that, we got in contact with each of the submissions individually um, and we provided them with, 
you know, a whole bunch of things we felt was really, you know, strong about their work that we all liked. And we also provided some feedback that, you know, could make their pieces better and gave them the option to, you know, make the changes that we suggested. And if there were some pieces we thought could use a little bit more help, we offered some assistance to help them fix those pieces up uh, because we really wanted everyone to be able to have their piece included in the anthology. We didn't want to, you know, tell anyone their work wasn't good enough. So we really wanted to be supportive in that and help everyone get their piece through. So after that initial round, we then collated all the pieces uh, and then did like a more, I guess, fine comb through the editing, um, which was, it was a bit challenging because as you said, Sarah, you want to still maintain everyone's individual voice in each piece but then you also want to make sure that it's really high quality and polished so you know you're kind of toying up you're like is this a stylistic choice or is this you know should I change this for clarity so there are a few Mm -hmm. issues with that but I think for the most part we got it pretty good in the end. Did you have any pushback about like from writers saying oh I want to keep this you know, exactly the same. I don't want to change this at all. Or For the most part, most people were just really appreciative of having some feedback. And I don't think there were very many instances of people refusing to take any of the feedback on board. There may have been a couple with like one sentence in there. They're like, oh, I like the sentence how it is. But apart from that, most people were just happy to accept the changes that we recommended. And I think the people that we provided a little additional assistance to, actually all of them were quite good about it and ended up submitting their pieces in the end. So I think it worked out. Okay, do you want to comment on that, Sue or Kynan? I, I think there were maybe a couple of people that were taken aback by being provided feedback. So I think that's something in terms of communication we could have done better earlier, making sure that people knew that was coming because I think some people who submitted their story were really happy with it and then they got a bunch of notes which they took as us saying it wasn't good enough rather than we were trying to polish it and make everyone's pieces as good as they could be. So I think if you have that messaging there at the start with the submissions that we're planning to do some light editing and we'll send you some feedback, then maybe that would work better than people getting it out of the blue and there were maybe one or two people who got slightly defensive about it Um, so we could have we could have done that better Mm -hmm. yeah that's a good point you know like I guess if you're not expecting it to come it's like oh what (laughs) yeah (laughs) some people were surprised in the opposite direction like they're like oh great we get feedback (laughs) (laughs) commentary so it's a little bit both ways I think most people would like happy that we took that route rather than just going no you had too many spelling mistakes we're not including you you know yeah yeah as as Ashley said we're going for a kind of inclusive pathway which I like yeah and you really want the best work included everyone's best work included in the anthology so I think in the end it worked out yeah I think like as a writer you have to be you have to kind of recognize that you, you know it still needs to be a professional piece especially if you want it to sell well and you want your best work included so if someone has suggestions about how to do that then sort of taking that on board is generally the best path once you're published and if your name's on it it is quite terrifying so you do (laughs) that the very best work you have is 
is the one that's out there. I know I struggle with critique, but I also struggle with having something published that's not proper. So, yeah. yeah. And because we're doing that for everybody, it means that their piece of work is also surrounded by pieces of work that have been polished as well. Because in the case that we didn't do that, you might have some pieces where the authors themselves had naturally done really good editing and then some that were all over the place. And if you had that as an anthology, it's not going to look good for anyone involved, really. No, yeah. And, you know, that would be disappointing if you were like one of the authors who had put a lot of work in and then it's surrounded by pieces it's like well does that degrade the quality of well degrade your reputation in other works that you do right so it's always something to keep in mind we did have some award-winning poets and some well-published people putting their work forward but we also had a lot of people who had never been published before so already the quality was quite different so we did need to yeah level it up and we want to make sure everyone could be proud to show that book to their family and to share it with their friends and not be like oh we'll just just skip to this part because everything else is not you You want to be happy with all of it yeah yeah 100 percent how was the publishing process? I guess one question, especially with anthologies, is about how the remuneration is managed because, you know, you have all these different authors and there's always the question of, well, do you try and, like, pay everyone, you know, a portion of the proceeds or do you donate it to a charity or do you, you know, like – what do you do with it? And so I'm curious as to how you guys managed that. As it stands, we didn't publish to make money. We published to be published. So when we priced the books, they were priced pretty much at cost and definitely running at a loss at the moment. I don't foresee that changing. It was (laughs) our first one. It was never a money-making goal if by any chance we do make money it will cover costs like our zoom account and you know any admin um it will also any extra money would go towards future ones or put back into Auckland writers I know Kynan's got some incredible ideas about having people come in to speak to us and to get those people and we have to pay them so any extra Mm -hmm. money that we made is going to be like that I think that makes sense you know because then it's going into the writing community and improving like you know I mean I wrote a work as part of the anthology but you know having lived in Auckland I'm kind of got like still half a foot in even though I'm like in a different area so it's kind of like you know most of the the writers are part of Auckland and so they have the opportunity to make the most of those proceeds by being part of the Auckland writers group so I can totally see that working I also think yeah there's a lot of background costs like the cover you know the marketing and stuff that you sort of don't always think about when doing these things so like it totally makes sense to put it back into promoting itself and promoting the writers group yes and future anthologies too so (laughs) maybe some we can pray someone to do the editing next time maybe wouldn't that be nice (laughs) it would be good we're we're having a look at getting some government funding for the next one so that uh it's not so much of a upfront investment on our end to get things moving. 
but mm. I think uh, also we've learned that even doing a slightly larger printing run can give you enough profit margin that you can make back. You can still charge at a reasonable price, but hopefully make some margin and be able to either compensate some of your volunteers or, I mean, a lot of people expect a, a complimentary copy for being part of it, but unfortunately it wasn't something we could really do yes, because yeah. like, are, we, are me and Zoo going to pay for that? Like, <laughs> It's not really <laughs> a good idea. So uh, if we do, I guess, if we were to make more, there's there's lots of things it could go into before uh, we'd have to worry about having so much money. We don't know where to put it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we did send everybody a digital copy, though. Yes. Yeah, and that was a really lovely part of it, I think. I wasn't expecting that. I was like, oh, oh, I get a digital copy. <laughs> I'm so excited <laughs> about that. <laughs> yep. So that was really nice. I was going to say, do we want to just touch on the publishing part and the path that the anthology committee chose for publishing, Kind and Rasu? We um, chose to go down the self-publishing road because Ashley had gone down that road, so we leaned a lot on you guys for where to go. Um, thankfully, one of the committee members was very clued on when it came to computers and she was able to help put a lot of things together we would have been so lost without her in fact in a ring binder had been my initial thought so the fact that it's <laughs> a bound book is incredible it was put on amazon and we are still trying to put it on kindle once it's on kindle we can get it into bookshops but at the moment i mean ingram spark right yeah oh, sorry yes so we're trying to get on ingram spark and then we'll be able to get it into bookshops but so far bookshops that i've approached have said that without that something that comes from that i'm not sure but without that they've got a catalog yeah available yeah in our defense we have managed to get into a couple of independent stores which is really awesome Mm. but not no chains yet and we've also managed to get into at the domain there's a cafe at the domain Oh, so we've cool. get into the domain. And um, bizarrely enough, one of the bookshops has taken our book as a store copy. They couldn't sell our book, but they still wanted it. So they took it as a store copy. So we've had a little bit of that. But what we did in the end is put it on Amazon. Mainly, I went to a local printer called Book Printers in Auckland, and they printed initially a 50 copy run for us which we had got rid of at the launch so then we worked out how much we needed to do to actually break even so we needed to get another 90 and Kynan's got I don't know 10 or so of those and I've got about 30 so we're hoping that we will be able to sell those. I'm curious did you find printing locally like through the print shop was that particularly expensive or like I'm just (laughs) thinking in terms like to do like a really like 50 copy sort of print run was that or would it have been more expensive to send yourself books from Amazon at 50 it was definitely run at a large loss but I was prepared for that and I would rather people actually left the launch with something in their hand than just something on the internet. So that was a cost that I weighed up and decided that I was prepared to do. And then I ordered one from Amazon and 
one thing that we haven't talked about yet is that there's a lot of coloured photos throughout. Mm, yes, actually, that's a good point. Yeah. And the photos from the local printer were just so much more vibrant that yeah. I wanted to get any others from there. So that was when I we went up and paid more but and got a larger run, which is what we're walking around with now trying to sell. <laughs> I think if you are going to print locally, you do need to do a decent run just to bring the cost per copy down such that if you want to get it into a bookstore, they can actually make a their reasonable profit margin while not overcharging for the book. And then if yeah. you have any other associated costs, then you make enough to be well, able because to... I, yeah. I know in New Zealand, you know, like if you're distributing, like to get into like the bookstores, a lot of them will only take it through bigger distributing companies. And to be able to do that, you know, you they also take like a profit from the book. So you'd need to have it printed at a reasonable price to be able to yourself make a, a profit, the bookstore to make a profit and the distributor make a profit. <laughs> um, so I was just really curious about that. I would definitely use book printers again. I'd probably do a run of 150 to really bring it down to make everything more affordable. And I would also put a barcode with our special number on the back because that's quite important in bookshops. So mm-hmm. all these things, you know, our first run of books, we had nothing on the spine. Our second run of books, I asked, can we have our name on the spine? And they were like, yeah, of course you can. And I'm like, ah, oh, okay. So <laughs> the things that you learn, you know, I mean, it was always a learning curve. Like I said, most of us, it's the first time that we were published. So, yeah. you know, we were just trying to work out how to do it. And for the next anthology will be even better but we will still probably learn things yeah it's always the way it goes it's always something new so we also had quite a few sponsors that came on board for the anthology did you want to comment about how you were able to secure some of the sponsorship as we've said before we were in a committee and in the committee one of the committee members who was just absolutely phenomenal she went out and we had only just discussed maybe getting sponsors and then our next committee meeting she was like oh I've got this sponsor and then I've got this prize and we were all like wow and then um one of our other committee members had a sister who's an editor and she asked her and the next thing knew we had three sponsors who put prizes forward and as we had the three different categories, the poems, the flash, and the short story, that meant that we had a prize for each winner. We have one of the winners on the podcast with us. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Sarah. <laughs> I did not expect that. It was really lovely to sort of have that on, on the book. I was like, oh, wow. And, like, I think you guys did a really good job as well of, like, actually, like, weaving that in and, like, the little, like, sort of, the little recognition with it, like, you know, oh, first place for the short story and stuff is, like, really nice because, to be honest, I haven't really – I mean, I've entered a number of competitions but have never actually won anything for my writing before, so it was really exciting for me. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. What was the biggest challenge for you guys in terms of creating the anthology? I think I think we've both got a decent list of those. 
Um, <laughs> Do you want to go first, Kynan? <laughs> I think the editing one was something that was ended up being a lot more time-consuming than we anticipated. And it's really hard to know when to stop because you can always do more passes. And I feel as though we maybe overdid that a little bit and overworked some of our lovely volunteers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and kind of within that as well was trying to figure out what are realistic deadlines to go from this idea of an anthology to actually publishing it because we don't want it to take so long that people kind of lose interest because they submitted a year ago and finally it comes out and they're, you know, maybe not so excited. But also we're not paying any any of the volunteers for the time they're putting into generating this thing. Mm -hmm. So you have to kind of spread out people's other commitments and make sure that they have time to do it and it's still enjoyable for everybody. So I think that was kind of tricky with kind of us negotiating with each other. Oh, what, you know, what can we actually get done this month? Who's busy with work stuff or family things and other things going on? Um, so just the trying to organize it from a volunteering perspective and then also keeping the authors up to date in a way that's helpful for them so they know that we're still working on it and there's some progress being made. Those are probably some of the main ones. Oh, a as a side note, I think we focused a lot on keeping the authors up to date and kind of catering to them, but we didn't really do any marketing up front to a wider audience. We didn't really think about trying to sell the book and get it onto shelves or anything. So it was really only mm -hmm. after the book launch that we realized, oh, well, all our copies went way faster than we thought. Maybe there's actually a little bit of a, a market for this, or perhaps we should actually look at selling them. And in retrospect, a book launch is a really good time to do stuff like that. Or to, <laughs> in, the, yeah. in the way that you guys have, have built up like more of a social media following that we didn't proceed the launch with any of that. And we're kind of trying to do it at the end where it's not quite as impactful. I do think that, you know, like, considering the timeline and things like you guys did really well to be able to get it out and I mean I know like some authors publish like really quick but then I would also say that those authors know how much work goes into publishing really quickly and they have editors yes <laughs> and well not every author does. I think, you know, like some people who self-publish will put themselves on a deadline and say, oh, I'm going to publish a book like every four months or whatever. Um, and then they'll go through and edit themselves. But, you know, like that's a lot different from editing a whole array of authors' work. And I think you probably could give yourselves a little bit more room and give yourselves a little bit more kindness <laughs> to, to be able to sort of get it out and that authors would probably understand that because realistically if you're publishing traditionally you'd be waiting a year at least and with a lot of competitions that do do publishing they'll do the competition which they'll take like six months to you know like work their way through all the submissions and then they'll have their sort of like explain who won and stuff and then they'll take another year before they actually publish the book. So I think you guys actually did really well and you've probably got a little bit more time than what you necessarily think that like people won't lose interest as much. They'll probably be like, oh yeah, I submitted this. <laughs> and this is really exciting Like as you get a bit further down the line. And you can also do stuff with the marketing side of things, like you know, as you were saying, like in building up. And part of the marketing is building up that excitement too. So I think... 
if I were you next time, like not that I'm like trying to like give you guys a whole bunch of advice, but like just to give yourself a bit more kindness and a bit some. more time. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I didn't actually know what the word anthology was. Obviously now I know. And I went specifically and entered a whole lot of anthologies. I joined, there's a Facebook page called Anthology Submissions where people just, you know, put down their anthologies and I entered a whole lot and I've had the most bizarre experience with them. Um, <laughs> one of them that I entered, I heard back just the other day that I didn't get in and it was something like 10 months for them to tell me that I wasn't in it. So that was really interesting. Another one, I entered a poem in on the Tuesday and I had the digital copy published on the Friday. And then I ordered it and I had it a week later. It was like, wow. Um, It wasn't the best quality. And a lot of them charged to enter, which is something that we debated whether or not we should charge people. And But a lot of them charged people to enter and then the books were really expensive to buy. Hmm. So um, I think one of the books that I was in ended up costing me $75 by the time it was transferred to New Zealand money and posted here. So um, I learnt what I don't want to do. Like this is not a money-making experience. So um, I learnt what I didn't want to do from delving out into the world of anthology yes. um i'm quite happy just doing our anthology now <laughs> yeah it's quite interesting with that uh, with that money making mindset as well that i wonder if any of the contributors to our anthology have this vision of oh oh we're, they're making all this money off our hard work like <laughs> you have to try to be i guess transparent about what your your targets are and what your costs are but i don't know how much people care about that but i certainly yeah, I think if you charge people like a ridiculous amount to buy it, then there's this kind of uh, feeling of getting taken advantage of, which doesn't sound great as a kind of what started as a community initiative, but the other ones are businesses, I guess, so they have different priorities. But sorry, yeah. I actually YouTube. saw an ad saying, make money off putting together anthologies. <laughs> I skipped straight past that. The question that you asked before about challenges what we found the hardest for me my hardest was disappointing people I have a real you know I like to lift people up not bring them down and unfortunately one of our wonderful writers submitted something that we weren't actually able to accept it was a deeply political piece that would have offended the readers and that was really hard to deal with having to say you know as it is we can't accept it we'd need you to change it and which yeah we didn't end up including her unfortunately so that you know I really felt that and like Kynan said before some of the people that didn't like our edits again even though I hadn't been the one that had necessarily made the comments. I was the one that was delivering them. So I kind of felt like, you know, I got... The bearer of bad news. Yeah, I got a little bit upset with that. So I don't know how I'm actually going to handle that next time because I didn't handle it too well this time. So, but I think that's not a writing thing. That's a personality thing. Yeah. 
there were also Maybe. a few people that got salty about not getting free um, physical copies, but and despite our pretty straightforward explanations that we were already operating at a, as a loss, at a loss, it didn't really want to amplify that if possible. It's a, it's, I guess it's a reasonable ex- expectation if you're joining some sort of established anthology where they've got heaps of money and they have ads and all sorts of other things. But for us, I think, I don't know how many copies you'd have to sell. I don't know that like it is necessarily like, you know, I think to receive a digital copy is like, you know, that's a nice touch that's like, okay, you know, because that doesn't really cost anyone any extra to be able to provide. But at the same time, I'm like, you know, yeah, the the print copies for any author, especially when you're self-published, it's like you make no money on print copies. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so. I actually gave up and sent a couple that I paid for to people and didn't get any thanks. So, no. was, you know, so again, that's all lessons that we have to learn because people do have stories and they can't get it themselves and you don't want people to miss out. But We even had yeah. at least one person that didn't realise they'd been accepted until the book had already come out. We got a message from them kind of later on going, oh, did I get in? And like, <laughs> <laughs> we have been trying so hard spamming people with emails, Instagram posts, Facebook, and still not everything goes through, so you never know. <laughs> they like go through all the edits and then they're like, oh, I got in. <laughs> Oh dear. I was just going to say, yeah, I had emailed her probably five or six times and she just thought that I was keeping her up to date with everybody else's work. She was so sweet about it though. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. But <laughs> well, hopefully it was a nice surprise for her. So do you want to tell us a little bit about some of the variety of stories that are in the anthology and why that might appeal to someone who might like to purchase it? I think I think because you, know, you talked about kind of the different avenues with which we were um, engaging with people, we ended up with a really diverse group of authors. And then because of that, you get very different styles of story. Um, mm-hmm. And also the domain itself is so close to different things that mean different things to people. I mean, uh, a lot of people reference the hospital because if you are visiting loved ones, it tends to be somewhere you go for a bit of fresh air. There's people who play sport there, people who just go there to get away from things, especially in the lockdown. So I think the variety of stories and poems within the anthology means that there's kind of something that's going to appeal to everyone's taste. We've got the spooky supernatural stuff walking through the domain at night, and then we've got the kind of hopeful stories and the nature and sunshine and then there's kind of tales of struggle and loss when you have anything to do with um, I guess the the illnesses that people are are fighting so I think I quite I really enjoy just reading the stories and seeing all the different takes on a central theme and I enjoyed that there were so many different interpretations. I assume some of the people listening to this don't know Auckland or don't know the domain (laughs) That would be correct. <laughs> <laughs> so the Auckland domain is pretty much in the middle of Auckland's central city. It's formed on a volcano as uh, 54 other spots around Auckland. So it's very <laughs> volcanic. And at the very top, there's a museum, which is just the most beautiful museum, lots of layers of 
history. There's um, a war memorial there. There's also a huge big sports ground. At the sports ground, people play cricket. Last night, they had Christmas in the park there. So there are events there. And as Kynan said, it's right next to the museum. It's also close to the university. It's in a really nice suburb. And there's a winter garden, which is incredible, as well as bushwalks that go through. People go there to picnic. I once saw some people reenacting World War something or other with flour in their guns and they were just oh. throwing oh. flower bombs and things at each other. Like but there's also yeah trees and gardens and you can roly poly down the hills and you know like just the variety of what people can do. They go scootering, they go skating, they have cancer walks throughout. They used to do box car racing. So if that kind of that's the variety of things that people do at the domain. So if you can imagine all of our writers kind of chose different aspects of that. And because it's so central, like personally, I wrote a poem all about people's busy lives in different areas of Auckland and how they go to the domain just to unwind. Because once you're there, it looks out over the harbour. You can see Auckland Sky Tower and you can see some of our volcanic islands out in the harbour so it's just such a beautiful peaceful spot in the middle of traffic and chaos (laughs) yes I think you gave a really thorough and lovely description there of the variety of walks of life that you get going through the domain Um, you know I worked at Auckland City Hospital which is right next to the domain as we've mentioned for a number of years you get just a huge variety of people going to and from the domain for different reasons. And I think that's really cool. And your description of it was really spot on. I'm quite passionate about it. Can you tell? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so I think it's a very interesting anthology because of that. And it was a a great theme to do. Anyone who's lived in Auckland and worked anywhere near the centre has some kind of memory associated with it. So I think that really helps as a starting point for people building stories. Yes, definitely. I was going to say, speaking of themes, did you want to talk about what other projects we have on the horizon? For our next anthology, which we are either brave or stupid for carrying on with the second one, we put it out to our anthology Facebook page. We had selections of a number of different ones that people could choose from different themes and the one that one is dominion road which is a main road which runs through auckland i read the other day that it's the most highly public transported road that's not proper english but do you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) it's a road that has more people catching public transport than any other road in auckland so and also goes through a little international kind of restaurant area where you can get cuisine from all around the world in a space of three blocks personally i bought my first ever house on dominion road although i didn't actually vote for this subject (laughs) (laughs) but I do obviously have a connection and I'm quite excited about it and again it's got volcanoes along it 
the housing, you know, one end of the house, one end of Dominion Road is sort of like state houses type thing. And then you can go through to the really expensive apartments as you get closer to the city. So there's a lot of variety in Dominion Road as well. I had honestly never really thought of it that way. So it's really interesting hearing you talk about it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I can kind of see like why it makes an interesting theme like now. Like an idea for you, Sarah. <laughs> so I think initially people thought it was a little underwhelming because if you're used to Auckland, you're like, oh, yeah, that's just a main road. What do I do with that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And now that you're speaking about it, I'm like, oh, okay. Like, because, yeah, personally, I didn't vote for Dominion Road either. I did actually vote. <laughs> but, um, no, I find it. Like, that is an interesting point, is that you do, again, get all those walks of life along Dominion Road. And we're hoping it'll have a sort of noticeably different feel from the previous one, which was focused around nature, whereas the Dominion Road will have a bit more, I guess, of an urban feel to Mm, it. And then hopefully if we do another one afterwards, we can change it again so that they all feel quite distinct, I hope. Makes sense. We're also opened up submissions to artists, you know, Obviously, the fact that we had photos throughout the first one made it more like a coffee table type book where people could pick up and read just a poem or look at a picture. And we got a lot of positive feedback from that because obviously publishing coloured pictures was a little bit harder than just publishing a book as well. So we thought, well, we would continue with that. But instead of just random photos that I'd taken, we've (laughs) expanded it to photos that anybody's taken and also to artists. So um, I'm actually going to take some brushes out and try and do a painting myself. So um, nice. hopefully some artists will want to jump on board. And I know there's a lot of street art in Dominion Road and I've actually reached out. There's a man who's made, there's a lot of sculptured art as well. There's a man who's made this huge, and I mean huge, walking man. And I've reached out to him and he's happy to somehow be on board and talk about his process of, it's called the boy walking. I fondly know him as giant plastic boy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I believe Ashley has put her hand up to help me maybe do a question and answer type thing for him. So there will be a little bit more of a variety. Yeah, like Kynan said, this will be more sort of urban and cultural. And there's also churches along that road, like lots of different religious churches along that road. So it will be quite, quite different. What might be interesting for us, I guess, because this one's a bit I mean, the Auckland domain, people from all over are going to be interested in it, whereas the Dominion Road might be a little bit more focused around those suburbs. So what might be handy is if we engage a little bit with whether it's those church groups or whether there's local arts groups and actually find a kind of concentration of people who might be interested in contributing and also... To market to as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So to put the I think that's... out to be like, hey, we're doing this mm. and... If you're interested in hearing some stories about like your sort of area, yeah, I could see that would work. You were wondering how easy it would be to market to shops and 
things that are gonna like once we're done whether any of them would be interested in in stocking it or how you I feel like mostly no but um, <laughs> but if it's like a like ca- there's know. a lot of cafes along Dominion Road so maybe they'd be in, interested in stocking like a book on that I've been into about 25 places so oh, far really? trying <laughs> but I will keep trying I'm also oh. having a poster made up which I'm trying to get you know calling for artists of the area to see if we can get more specific but I'm just waiting to see if Kynan can help me with the poster we're, we're having to learn to deal with uh, repeated rejection but I think what what is nice now though as opposed to the last anthology was that we can now show that we can do this like we can show them a book and go we made this and this is the kind mm-hmm. of quality you can expect rather than oh we have this bright idea we don't know if it's going to be good or not so I think we've we've started to build a track record which hopefully lets people know kind of what what to anticipate from the next round do you mean that we know what not to do now <laughs> well i mean that we can show them a co- like a copy of the old book and that we actually know how to do this and we that do. the next one will presumably of be of similar quality rather than the just kind of printed out ring binder style yeah <laughs> yes so i was gonna say we should probably start to wrap this episode up so where can people find the anthology for purchase and then how can people get in touch with you guys if they have any questions or even if maybe they're Auckland based or have a connection with Auckland and maybe want to submit if you go onto Facebook the it's literally called Auckland Writers and that is the page that Kynan runs so all of our information is on there and then the other page is called Auckland Writers Anthology and it's very easy on either of those pages to either see Kynan or myself. And by messaging either of us, we can get a book to you. So we both have the books. And um, on Instagram, it's called Auckland Writers Anthology. So any of those. And then there's also an email address, which is Auckland Writers, Writers at gmail sorry pause the yes, line everybody <laughs> do we have a dot in there anywhere i'm trying to remember is it just auckland writers i'm just okay auckland.writers at gmail.com kind of to the rescue <laughs> <laughs> and the book's available on amazon as well both in the ebook and in paperback yes yeah. i was just going to say so that if you are perhaps not in new zealand and you are still interested in reading it um, ordering on Amazon is probably your best bet. Under the Amazon, you just put, it's called Tales of the Domain. Ah, right, yeah, perfect. So under, under Kindle and then search Tales of the Domain. Anyways, we should wrap this up. Thank you so much for coming on and talking about the Auckland Writers Anthology and talking about the Auckland Domain Anthology. We have enjoyed having you on here to talk about it thank you for having us so there are still some spots left on our author spotlight section so if you'd like to be on like kind and sue just have been and you can head on over to our website lindersoncreations.com and hover your mouse over the podcast tab and you'll find a link to apply next time on dear writer we have another one of our craft episodes where we will be tackling the topic of sequels and series so tune in for that 
And if you'd like to know any more about us or any of our writing projects, you can visit us at lindersoncreations.com or get in contact with us on Facebook or Instagram under the handle Linderson Creation. And if you enjoy the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe on your podcatcher of choice. Tell your friends about us and we'll be back next week. Happy writing, everyone. <laughs>